Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's the Bauer and Rose Show. Welcome, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The uh, eponymous uh, Bauer and Rose Show Gary paid a fortune to a Madison Avenue uh, advertising firm to come up with a name for our show, which you can hear, <laughs> which you can hear every Sunday right here on Sirius XM and the Patriot Channel 125. Our podcast available multiple times per week, wherever you get them. Make sure and hit the subscribe gut button. Give us a rating. Um, make sure it's a good rating. Tell your friends, your neighbors and your enemies. Well, Gary, um, an incredible week, a lot to get to today, obviously. Yeah, you, you, uh, you really had an incredible week uh, uh, in, in Iowa for uh, the, the announcement of former Vice President Mike Pence, our, our mutual friend um, that, uh, you know, formally threw his hat in the ring. And I, as you know, Tom, I spent a lot of time uh, in Iowa uh, in 2000. <laughs> Uh, in fact, there, there's a Ramada Inn outside, <laughs> and if you ever get to room 303, check the the end table next to the bed on the left side, and you will see carved into it, GLB was here. That's my <laughs> Gary ran for president in 2000 and tells a litany of hilarious stories about motels along Interstate 80 and I-35. In all of uh, in all of Iowa's ninety nine counties, um, the one story when I'll ruin it, which is why you've got to tell it, is one of the motels <laughs> where um, uh, all the services on the phone you had to press six for such and such. I'll let you tell the story. You, you know, um, well, you, if your yeah, phone's not working, press one. If your toilet's jammed, you know, press right. two. If there's a hair in the shower, press three. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was not reassuring. Let me tell you, I had the distinct feeling I was the actual only living human being in that particular motel. And there would be no other person there probably until the sun came up. Anyway, it was a uh, as as Gary indicated. Gary indicated. Uh, Vice President Pence and I personally, and Gary, of course, has known Mike for 25 years. Mike is, um, well, I would say next to Gary, uh, one of my closest personal friends who I've known for more than 30 years, had the great honor and privilege of of uh, serving as his senior advisor and chief strategist in the White House for the entirety of the term. The uh, announcement on Wednesday, first of all, uh, there is something, and you know this, Gary, there's something very, very uh, warm and reassuring about the young people who staff these offices. And uh, we brought everybody back together, all the old guys who, you know, I'm actually the old guy um, next to Mike, or Vice <laughs> President Pence. And it was just wonderful. It was wonderful camaraderie. It was wonderful fellowship for all of us to get back together and spend <laughs> too many hours on a cramped bus uh, with uh, Cheetos and Doritos and and uh, caffeinated beverages. But it was it was wonderful. The vice president gave what I thought, and again, I've been very close to him for more than thirty years. I thought it was. The finest, a little smidgen too long, the finest single speech I've ever heard him give. He really wrapped everything that he thinks and believes together. I know uh, a lot of folks, a lot of folks on our side have, you know, serious uh, problems, uh, concerns about, you know, what the vice president did or didn't do on January 6th, how he's handled himself. But I thought he demonstrated uh, and displayed a measure of, of dignity and courage and principle 
that I was greatly heartened by, whether or not um, it's enough to uh, give him an opportunity to uh, to really challenge at the highest level. I don't know, but I was I was greatly heartened and incredibly proud uh, at what I thought was a just a magnificent speech. I've done a lot of speech writing for him, and one of the reasons I think this might have been so spectacular was that I. Uh, did not contribute so much as one syllable to it. I had absolutely nothing to do with it, which is what, one of the reasons why it was so great. <laughs> no, that's not true. Now, Tom, you write great speeches. I, I had I'm nothing curious. to do with this. Absolutely nothing. Well, uh, I would say that was a big mistake on your part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was the best speech I've ever heard him give. It really was. Well, I, I saw a good bit of it, and... Uh, and I, I agreed. I, I liked a great deal the things that, that I heard. And then, Tom, you alluded to this. I, I mean, the, the, you know, it's the 800-pound uh, elephant in the room. Um, in, in spite of things that uh, Mike Pence uh, has accomplished over the years and in spite of uh, the mistakes he's made, which anybody in public life will make, I certainly made them uh, – that everything has been has been put through the filter of the events on January 6th and uh, what uh, Mike did or did not do in his role of uh, presiding uh, in, in the uh, in, in the Congress at the at the time that the, the process of counting electoral votes was was going forward and. Um, you know, for again, for better or worse, the events of that day. Are, are you know we'll have a, a lot to say about whether Donald Trump gets reelected or not. It, it'll have a lot to say about whether Mike uh, you know becomes a, a more um, possible nominee of, of the Republican Party. Um, what I will say, Tom, that, that I'm troubled by is the amount of vitriol that we're seeing. In uh, in the entire movement and and already early on uh, in in this competition, I mean, don't even get me started on Chris Christie. Uh, that you know, well, I, if I just let myself go and forget that this is a podcast, I would say things <laughs> that I I regret. And why in the world Fox News was giving him coverage like he was at ninety nine percent when in most polls he hasn't hit one. I mean, they gave him more coverage than I sadly than they did to, uh, Mike Pence because he's trashing Trump, and that's what they care I think about. That's it. I think that's it. But you know, the one thing I'm absolutely convinced of, Tom, I, I you know, I, I talk to a lot of my evangelical friends who want various people to get nominated, including a lot of them who want Trump to be renominated. But many of them will say, you know, I really like uh, Mike Pence, and he's a real man of God. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I, I'm not sure he's the guy they'll say uh, for for this particular moment in America. So to me, um, we, you know, it, whoever we end up nominating and, and certainly Trump is in uh, the driver's seat and the events of the last 24 hours, I, I think will make it. Or the, the And the events of this week will probably make it. Uh, um, more likely, in, in my view, that he keeps the lead, but I could be wrong about that. But what, whatever the situation is, when this competition is over, we've got to get every last person that identifies as a Republican or identifies as a conservative and every Republican, Republican-leaning independent, and then we're going to get some people – that really don't think they lean Republican. We're going to have to get every last one of them, including the people that like uh, Mike Pence and, and, and a lot of Christians I know who just want to calm things down and, you know, you know, bring more civility into things. Good luck with that. I don't think it's possible, but I, I understand that mindset. We're going to need all those people to join together or the sleepwalking president hiding in the basement of the White House and his handlers will get four more years. And and I'm, I say this with no fear of exaggeration. America is over, period. 
It will be over. It's close to being over now. And I wish all the candidates, including Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and even this, you know, even Mike Pence, I, I, I wish they would understand that their desire for a return to normalcy, as I think some of them would describe it, is not possible. We're in the middle of a war. There won't be normalcy until somebody wins. And if they win, the other side wins, for us, there's never going to be normalcy. We will live as semi-criminals in our own nation. We're already seeing that. I just learned a new word the other day, adumbrate, which means... Um, something that happens now that will have greater impact later. All the talk, and I understand it because it is exhausting. We live in an exhausting age when the left is is absolutely indefatigable. Um, what we're seeing now is I think this, this adumbration, or I don't know what the, the, the term is, where a lot of Republicans, and I get it, we want civility. We don't have to be so, you know, we don't have to be disagreeable to disagree. Well, that's all well and good. But the very first thing we have to unify is us. I mean, if if all of this effort were out to unify uh, conservatives and everybody from the center to the right to understand that the only way we can, quote unquote, civilize the conversation is first by winning and the only way you're going to win is if you unify everybody on our side to understand what the danger is what the challenge is the challenge is the left you can't sit down and civilize uh, uh, people who seek your your cultural destruction and that's basically what we're talking about we're talking about a movement that seeks to destroy the very foundations of what you and I and I think most Americans believe and have have, have always believed. We're not going to be able to, to restore that until or unless we can unite everybody who recognizes the threat. You know, and we had earlier in the week, of course, now, you know, a president indicted for doing what every single president for the past 40 years have done. We live in an age that there is now selective criminalization um, in the justice system. And when you have a two-tier justice system, you have no justice. Selectively criminalizing certain politicians and people with certain opinions, political opponents, is political repression. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, that, that's absolutely right, Tom. And uh, I think another one of the fallacies that a lot of people have fallen for is that Donald Trump just drives the left so insane that if we could just get Donald Trump off the stage, we could get back to normalcy then. No, folks, you can't. It, it's not. Look, the people on the left love Donald Trump for most of his life. They, Donald Trump was a, a figure that a lot of people – courted to get his blessing on various projects they wanted to do. Uh, they liked a lot of different things he did. He was very popular in New York City. It was only when he came down that escalator, announced he was going to run for president, and made it absolutely clear he was going to run for president because he believed America was failing, that we had been betrayed by the political establishments of both parties, that America was being put last. We were draining our treasury, fighting other people's wars. We had sent our jobs off to communist China. We were looking down our nose at hardworking men and women that work with their hands. We were not controlling our own borders. On and on it goes. And when he took on essentially the, the Hillary, the Clinton dynasty and the Bush dynasty, he, he sent people into insane asylums. Now, they go after him, Tom, because really – in recent years, well, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, Ross Perot, in a strange way, was speaking to some of the same things, and they, they destroyed him. Remember, they went after his daughter. They went after his family. 
tried yeah, tried to disrupt his daughter's wedding, if I recall. Yeah. At one point, he he was coming in second to the Democrat uh, ahead of, I guess, Bush. President right? Bush, right. Yeah. Um, Pat Buchanan, you know, who you and I both had real problems with. I mean, after a while, some of the things Pat said about Israel and and uh, his inartfulness uh, talking about even things like World War Two made it easy for somebody to think that, you know, Pat, you might have an anti-Semitism problem there. Uh, I, I have to tell you, Tom, the other day I went back and I was re-listening to the speech he gave at the Republican convention that uh, that cycle when in 92 he, was 30 years ahead of his time. Right. And that that speech is incredible. And he had to be destroyed. I mean, they just they had to destroy him. So uh, if Trump uh, disappeared tomorrow, uh, it None of this would stop. The attacks, the literal physical attacks on churches, crisis pregnancy centers, uh, the little mini mobs that uh, uh, go after conservatives, beat them up, uh, uh, groups that label parental rights groups as the equivalent of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, doing these little profiles for their staff about what to look for uh, to to uh, catch a hint of who might be a domestic terrorist, and they proceed to describe Middle Americans that doing just normal things. The Defense Department saying to be on the lookout for servicemen or members that are visiting websites of groups that have Patriot in their names. Do people think all of that evidence of the war that's being conducted against normalcy in America would go away if Donald Trump would just disappear from the scene? You are delusional, my friends. Donald Trump didn't create all this. Donald Trump's nomination and his victory in 2016 was a symptom of what has been happening to middle American and Mer- middle America and normalcy and those who believe in faith, family and freedom. There's a war against all of that. And the reason there's such hatred to, to, against Donald Trump is that unlike some previous Republican presidents, he calls it out. He fights back against it. So, um, you know, we that's where we are today. Um, I you know, I, I I pray for all these candidates because any one of them, if if they begin to get traction, that the same uh, killing machine that we have in America today, that's going after parents, it's going after Christians and Orthodox Jews. It's going after anybody that stands for normalcy. Tucker Carlson this week did another one of his Twitter shows in which he talked about one of the most ancient of taboos, the sexualization of children, of prepubescent children. This is something that almost every society has said, you can cross lines, but you damn well better not cross that line. He pointed out that people would be physically harmed if they were caught crossing that line. And this past week on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, there's a major investigative uh, study, a report by the journal about how people that are into that, who want to sexualize children, uh, have a, a way on social media platforms that they can talk to each other. They can find children, stuff that would have caused lynchings in the past. This article appears in one of the most important newspapers in America, and nothing happens. There's barely a statement made about it. Nobody says anything. Uh, all the conversation is about what documents Donald Trump had at Mar-a-Lago. So we we are in uncharted territory, Tom. And I, I just hope that all the candidates, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, my good friend Mike Pence, I, I want them all 
to understand and internalize the moment it is in America. Uh, it, it requires extraordinary things to be done now. 11 years ago, the official position of the leading Democrat in the United States, President Barack Obama, was publicly opposed to same-sex marriage. Today, the position of the leading Democrat in America, President Joe Biden, is that if you oppose the mutilation of children without even the knowledge of their parents, then you're sinful and a bigot. Joe Biden, the White House today, is putting together a task force designed to prevent governors or mayors from removing pornographic books from the shelves of grade school libraries. There's something about the Democrat Party and Joe Biden in particular that uh, gets a sick uh, kick out of sexualizing kids. There's a perversity here, a sickness here that has infected the very highest echelons of American society. And you mentioned, you know, the business about the, you know, the latest Trump indictment, you know, good morning. The temperature is uh, 81 degrees and your new uh, Donald Trump indictment is X. Um, And Andy McCarthy had a piece in national review. I thought that was interesting because it, it, I thought kind of missed the point and he's, he's brilliant always indicting a, a presidential associate on a process crime. I mean, we've been doing that for a long time, but going after a president on a process crime is unrealistic, but that misses the point. This isn't about winning the case. I don't think Jack Smith cares whether or not he wins the case. This is way beyond uh, banana Republic stuff. This is about winning an election, right? This is yeah, about a yeah. world of show trials, Absolutely. Well, you know, Tom, uh, Jack Smith, uh, one of his one of the things that made him a hero in the left wing Hall of Fame is that when uh, I think his name was Bob McDonald was governor of Virginia, uh, he was a rising Republican star. There was a lot of talk about him being a uh, Republican presidential nominee or on the next Republican uh, ticket as maybe vice president that might help uh, Virginia uh, be in, in our uh, column. And, and of course, we all know that Virginia has been step by step becoming harder and harder for us to win. But Smith was involved in bringing corruption charges against my, Bob McDonald that literally destroyed him and his family. He was politically ruined uh, he, any hope for the future for him and in its own way, hope for the state of Virginia was totally destroyed. And then later, after he had been taken off the field of battle, the Supreme Court, by a nine to nothing vote, overturned the corruption conviction that was brought by Jack Smith. But it didn't matter because mission accomplished. They took him out just just a few weeks ago, Tom, the the uh, current uh, governor of West Virginia, who I'm really not a big fan of. I mean, he he's a former Democrat and I I think he's going to be, you know, one of the Mitch boys if he ends up uh, uh, defeating uh, Manchin and the United States Senate. But he announced he was going to run, and a poll came out that showed that he was beating Mansion by twenty by some points. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Within twenty four hours, the Justice Department brought charges against him on some financial issue. I mean, it's like they were just waiting, just waiting. Yep, okay, said he's going to run, get him. So yeah. this is being done regularly, and you know when you go back to uh, the whole Russian collusion hoax. Uh, and, you know, the discovery after Donald Trump had been mocked for saying they wiretapped me was an inartful word. Uh, you know, most times now they don't put an actual tap, but they have ways of monitoring your phone conversations, the conversations in your office and so forth. And he said, I have reason to believe I was wiretapped. Now, oh, my, hey, the man's nuts. 
Well, it came out that they had. They had been monitoring conversations of him and some of the people that would end up having top positions in his administration. But, Tom, it came out later that during the battle for the Republican nomination, they were also monitoring people like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. It wasn't just Donald Trump. It was anybody they thought that if they won the presidency would actually not roll over and play dead and be a a little puppy, you know, giving occasional good speeches, but letting the left continue to do their dirty work, that these were people that would really fight back. So this stuff just keeps going on. There's no there's no pause in it. It's in fact, it's it's picking up speed it's becoming more and more pronounced. And uh, again, I, you know, I've, I've, I heard that Nikki Haley speak uh, a few weeks back in, in my actual office building. Uh, she was sponsored by uh, Susan B. Anthony List, the wonderful pro-life group. And, and Nikki Haley, uh, I was sitting in the front row and she went off on this deal. Uh, look, I just think we need, uh, and, I, and this is what I would do as president, uh, we need to build consensus. We just say that that's the most important thing. I think we're all tired of America's, Americans being at each other's throats. But why are, we, why are we at each other's throats? We're at each other's throats because people on the left are claiming they have a right to take my granddaughters and grandsons and teach them sexually explicit things without the ability of my daughters to send their mothers to say anything about it. I mean, I, that's with just one thing. We're at each other's throats, not because Roe versus Wade was overturned, but because the left insists you should be able to abort your baby all nine months of the pregnancy for any and all reasons. And you, the taxpayer who might be a believing Christian or Muslim or Jew that is against abortion on religious grounds, we're going to make you pay for the abortions. How's that? How do you like that, buddy? That's what we're going to do. We'll make you violate your faith by having your money used to pay for that person's abortion. You don't like it? Tough. Let and me it just s- goes on and on and on. There's something here we haven't even mentioned, and this is by design, by design, because it's always their shiny object. We have the sitting president of the United States having been accused by a credible source under oath of taking a $5 million bribe from a foreign source. Now, there's a document inside the FBI building, not a fake document like uh, the Russia collusion stuff and Crossfire Hurricane, but an FD-23 document. That's the document that the FBI uses to memorialize meetings or information that it gets from a confidential source. Uh, These documents typically include allegations from the source, again, under oath, including information that isn't yet verified by the FBI and under oath, meaning that they could be prosecuted for perjury if you lie. So the FBI is withholding this document. Now, I'm not even going to get into imagine the reverse because that just, you know, that's the easiest thing in the world. Imagine if it were Trump or DeSantis where this allegation was leveled against. So you have the what's it called? The House Committee on Weaponization that has subpoenaed from the FBI uh, to see this document, which the FBI has refused to comply with, right? This, is, this isn't just this week. This has been going on for a year. Evidence that the FBI has <clears throat> that they've suppressed involving the Biden family. Uh, Chuck Grassley, senator from Iowa, we were talking about Iowa earlier, has been for, what, 30 years the guy um, that's been championing uh, whistleblowers, and he's done, you know, he's a gentleman he does everything by the book he's very methodical you know he's been asking very nicely of the fbi in turn the fbi then implies it's all made up it's all a lie they denied the document existed until grassley told chris ray in public at a uh 
committee hearing that he's already seen the document. So he knows it exists. Again, crickets, not a word in the New York Times, uh, if anything at all. Virtually, you know, page A22 in the Wall Street Journal, nothing. And this is, you know, these are people that are working with the very same quote unquote journalists who pushed the Russia collusion hoax to leak that this whole thing was really about Rudy Giuliani. And of course, if it's Rudy Giuliani, it can't be serious because he's now a buffoon and a clown and totally discredited and all that. During the first impeachment that the Dems created that was all related to Ukraine, it was about Trump calling out Biden family corruption. So the crime was asking about the corruption of the Biden family, not the corruption of the Biden family. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tom, and the very fact that, uh, you, you know, we know people that know Ray. I, you know, I'm not going to name folks, but I, you know, I know, I know a, somebody that was one of his neighbors. And when Ray got the position, he said, oh, look, he's, he's Ray's a good guy. Uh, you know, he'll he, he'll stop this this stuff that's been going on. No, that it was that was, and that's on us, Gary. We picked him. Yeah, that's on us. I agree. I agree. Um, the the arrogance, Tom. The 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 concept that that the FBI and the CIA and the the national security agencies that they are above the law, that they are a separate branch of government that somehow doesn't have to answer the congressional oversight. The, the, the word FBI is not mentioned in the Constitution. <laughs> Neither is the Justice the, Department. There wasn't right. even a Department of Justice in the Constitution. Yeah, they, they, you know, they're, they're part of the executive branch, but they are under congressional oversight. And the Justice Department and the FBI are conducting themselves in a way to thwart however they can the oversight of the elected officials of the United States. Now, Tom, you know, for many, many decades, conservatives support law enforcement and we're patriots and we want agencies to protect us from our foreign enemies um, I, I think over the decades, we were not careful about a uh, principle that is well established, which is power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so when you give this power to these agencies and they begin, some of them educated in the same left wing universities that we see other professions filled with people educated in those universities, these people in these agencies began to look at middle Americans as the enemy, as the people that were the real threat to the republic, and that the politicians who represent those middle Americans, they're worst of all. they got to be taken down. And this is... We we can't survive if this isn't brought under control. You you know we we I mean there's there's not enough time. You remember one of the uh, one of these guys? It might have been the the CIA director who was uh, um, up for a congressional hearing, and he was asked by one of the members of Congress, uh, "You you haven't listened in on." members of Congress in our offices, have you? And uh, you can look at the guy's body language. I, I forget which one it was. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure we haven't done that. Uh, they have done it. They have done it. They, they had to come back later and go, well, I, actually, we did do that. A couple of years ago now, Tom, uh, uh, very sophisticated listening devices uh, were found outside the Supreme Court, outside of the Supreme Court, outside of the White House, within a block or so of the White House, and outside of the Congress. And when these devices were discovered, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with them, right? Well, you take them to your security agencies and say, uh, can you tell us what these are? And they go, what? Uh, that stuff, that right there, that's so sophisticated. Uh, that, that looks like a state actor would be behind that. Uh, well, that, 
did did you decide did, did do you have anything to do with this whole no of course not no absolutely oh my goodness are you serious uh yeah so we were led to believe well it could have been iran it could have been uh, uh communist china it could have been uh russia maybe it was one of those countries but i don't have any confidence it wasn't us so this can't go on this simply cannot go on and when it takes weeks and weeks for the fbi to comply with a congressional order to provide them information that is unacceptable right right i the, i, I want to switch gears for a second because i had a thought um the last couple of days while my um uh, while i was developing a strong case of uh, thrombosis and uh, requiring you know uh, emergency hemorrhoid surgery sitting on a bus for 17 hours. Um, I don't know why I threw that in, but I did. Um, <laughs> editor, uh, note to editor, <laughs> the 53 point minute in the podcast. <laughs> uh, here's a thought. What about, and, and you're at the center of the movement, uh, what about getting all your partners, your allies, uh, your friends, to jointly issue a, um, a, a Christian uh, state of emergency as well. Because mm-hmm. this week, the LGBTQ, the Human Rights Campaign, uh, said that uh, this Pride Month, because we don't f- focus and talk enough about this, um, is uh, uh, an emergency for the LGBTQ, RST, WXYZ community. And <clears throat> they've done this before, right? Right after Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act, which codified uh, same-sex marriage, uh, the human rights campaign declared, you know, state of the state of emergency, quote unquote. So here we've got and this is from The New York Times today, quote, more than 75 or earlier in the week, more than 75 anti LGBTQ plus bills have been signed into law this year alone, more than doubling last year's number, which was previously the worst on record. But if you look at the bills yeah. that they're ta- that they're talking about, right? It, the, it, this is all the 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 legislation that was passed in response to all the sexualization efforts designed to protect kids from this uh, increasingly dangerous, you know, quote unquote transgest- transgender community. These laws include things like. The uh, bans on doctors uh, castrating minor children or subscribe or, or prescribing a puberty blocking drugs to minors They're, uh, They consider Florida's ban on uh, public schools teaching kids under the age of nine about how to engage in gay sex. That's an assault. That's an emergency. Protections for girls that aren't really comfortable sharing uh, the locker room with boys who claim to be girls. Now, my guess is that most people, and if, if I'm wrong, then we really are finished, most people would regard these kinds of measures, not quote-unquote as an assault on the LGBT community, but absolutely necessary essentials to protect our most innocent element of society, our kids. Yeah, it's a great summary, Tom. Uh, Seven of those laws are, as you point out, uh, laws like the one in Florida, uh, which the media refers to with the language that the LGBTQ community uses to refer to that law, which is the don't say gay law. Now, I've actually had people in Northern Virginia that are neighbors say to me in conversation, we're talking about politics and so forth and these kinds of issues. And a neighbor will say, uh, Gary, you, you, you don't support that thing like that law in Florida where, where a teacher is not allowed to use the word gay in the classroom. They actually think that's what the law is. <laughs> DeSantis I, had a great line. I don't know what. Well, I now I've just answered the question as to why uh, it hasn't become more popular, because DeSantis response to, quote unquote, don't say gay. No, no, no. If you want um, if you want a bumper sticker approach to the, our law, it's wait till eight. 
In other words, wait till you're eight years old. That's what the law is. Wait until they're the ripe old age of eight to begin to describe in uh, classrooms how to engage in, in, in a gay sex. Yeah, and, and it wasn't specific to gay sex. It, it, the, the law sets uh, age-appropriate parameters for conversation in the classroom about any kind of adult sexuality. So whether it's, you know, heterosexuality, homosexuality, whatever the other sexualities are out there looking for a home, uh, just don't talk to kids about it who can't tie their own shoes in some cases. Uh, It's totally reasonable. And if you ask in a poll whether there ought to be only age appropriate education on these subjects in our public schools, most people and the number is growing will say yes. Yes. And parents ought to be involved. Uh, I mean, it's yes. (laughs) So but but if we let this narrative take hold, if we don't fight back, if the people that represent us in elected office are not aggressive and articulate in making the case about what's going on here, uh, which is not the passing of anti-LGBTQ laws. It's the passing of protecting children laws and of safeguarding parental right laws. And we got to say it as often as they uh, spout uh, this uh, this false propaganda, which they're they're doing quite ably. I, Tom, I, I, have, I have no idea what's next. I, I mean, uh, the other day I was saying, well, you, you know, can, can you imagine? How, maybe we talked about this earlier. Can we can you imagine having a whole month in which the theme is pride in America? I mean, we barely get away with Fourth of July these days. <laughs> You're yeah, but in fact, Biden cancels Fourth That's of July. That's right. At the, 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 uh, in, in the and it's Dakota. it's working. The number of young people who identify as trans has more than quintupled in the past decade, while the number of those who identify as Christians has declined. There was a Pew study in 2020. Church membership is now below 50 percent for the first time ever. Um, and that based on current trends, which is problematic because things do change but based on current trends those who identify as christians could fall below half of the population by the end of this decade um while those that are affiliated with other religions or none at all uh, obviously rise um you know and if you look at those you know the number of younger people who identify as lgbt uh, by the end of, I, I don't know, next decade, uh, the whole country's going to be LGBT. I mean, there aren't going to be <laughs> straight people left. I mean, I, look, I'm not advocating. Obviously, it's a it's a tongue in cheek thing. I'm not advocating that that Christians declare a state of emergency because um, what the left is doing in attempting to declare a state of emergency on behalf of of those who really don't think we ought to be sexualizing our kids. Let's be honest. They're just trying to shut us up. They're just trying to cut off debate and characterize uh, the other side of their issue as enemies and bigots and racists. But it's time we start pushing back. I mean, why not use some of their tactics? Maybe that's not a bad idea for Christians to declare a state. Maybe it's not a bad idea. Well, you, you know, uh, I, I mean, I think you raise an interesting point, Tom. We got to come up with tactics that we haven't used up till now. Because what uh, we're using up till now is Rick Santorum. I just saw him the other night. He was fantastic. Asked, you know, uh, how would you characterize uh, conservative efforts in the culture wars? And he said, characterize. We've been an abysmal failure. We failed cataclysmically. We're doing a horrible job. He's right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just there's. There's no question about that. And uh, now there are, you know, there are, there are little uh, shoots of, of grass coming up that might might indicate that uh, something is stirring out there, Tom. Uh, there, there was a literal pitch battle outside an elementary school in Los Angeles uh, a week or so ago. 
that uh, where, where parents did not want their children in an elementary school being pulled into LGBTQ pride events. And they went to the school board meeting and demonstrated and a bunch of left wing nuts showed up and tried to push them around and they ended up uh, getting their uh, their clocks clean. These were, you know, these were grown fathers that showed up with their wives and uh, the mothers of their children and uh, they were not going to be pushed around and it, it got out of control. But in its own way, Tom, that is actually not something to be troubled by. That's something that's indicative of the of good health in a society. When a body is attacked, antibodies are, are, are going to battle and they fight back against whatever is trying to take over the body. If nobody, if no parents were showing up saying, like hell, you're not going to do that with my child. If that wasn't happening, that would mean we were really sick, that our immune system had been destroyed. So it's it's good to see that. Now, let me give you one more example, Tom, because it, it has a danger in it for the left. And I'm sure they're aware of Montgomery County, Maryland, a very liberal area of the country. Uh, they've got very explicit uh, educational sex, educational material, LGBTQ material in the schools. But they've allowed a parental opt out and they're voting now on taking away the parental opt-out, the right of the parent to say, I don't want my child in that classroom if that's what's going to be discussed. So Montgomery County announced they're going to get rid of that. The vote's going to be on a particular night. Uh, demonstrators showed up. LGBTQ demonstrators showed up and hundreds of angry parents showed up. And here's the thing that makes it different, Tom, about half the crowd was Muslim. And they were furious. You could tell they were Muslim because many of them were Orthodox Muslim. The women were dressed in you know, various ways to not show uh, much of their bodies as is required in Orthodox Islamic households. A number of the witnesses that testified that night were Muslim children and they were articulate they made reasoned arguments. They said, you know, in a, to in, a, in a society that says it's tolerance, where is the tolerance for faiths that believe these subjects are inappropriate to expose us as children to? And, and when you look at the video, the LGBTQ demonstrators, who if it was only Christians there, would have had no hesitation to be calling us Christian nationalists and bigots and so forth. Instead, they're staring across a divide where there's a bunch of Muslims standing there and they're going, oh, geez, oh, I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. And, Tom, this is happening in lots of places, including in other countries like Canada, where Christian and Muslim parents and just normal parents, you don't have to be of any faith to not want your kid discussing some of these things you know, at the age of nine or 10 or whatever, or, yeah. so there is pushback and they're going to do everything they can to label that as hate. And the, what I'm seeing so far is these parents don't care if somebody tries to label them that. No, because they're, they're right. They're kids. right. They're right. I, the only uh, uh, bit of caution I would advise when people say, you know, we're going to wake up, we're going to wake up. Um, the analogy I come up with is a patient who's anesthetized. Uh, um, when when you continue to add more anesthetic, the notion that the patient's going to wake up uh, is 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 kind of tough to swallow. The problem is, it's it's the attack is so overwhelming, it's so overarching. Um, you know, this leaked document that showed the FBI had been targeting Catholics who attended Latin masses as 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 terror threats, and the Homeland Security Department awarding a uh, uh, a grant to this uh, 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 group that links the Christian Broadcasting Network, and by the way, our, our deepest sympathies to the family of uh, Dr. Pat Robertson, who died earlier this week. Uh, wonderful man. I had the honor and privilege of meeting him a few times. I know, Gary, you probably knew him very, very well. 
But yeah. um, uh, now CBN is a uh, a militant neo-Nazi group, according to the Homeland Security Department. Um, you're uh, weaponizing government-funded anti-terrorism grant programs in effort to destroy conservatives, Christians, uh, the Republican Party. Um, Christians could argue, and I think should argue, that all these assaults are absolutely having their intended effect in that um, more and more people are are leaving the church or not entering the church, and we have this explosion of identification with... um, uh, radical uh, sexual uh, uh, identifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Tom, there's there are the people that you know there 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 are churches that are getting smaller, unfortunately, and then there's another phenomena, uh, and it's not just among Christians; it's among a lot of different people on our side, and, and that is simply fear. They they do not uh, they don't want to take the chance of being canceled. That's it. Of losing their job, who would? Who who wants to be uh, to take that risk? But the the point is, it's only in numbers that you can overcome this. I mean, if you if you power in the face of this, then all is lost. Uh, so we we've got to find like minded people, and and we've got to stand up, and we have to fight back. It's as simple as that. Uh, come what may. Uh, uh, otherwise, we will we will be like people in many other countries in the last hundred years that watched their liberty evaporate and watched everything that they held dear uh, turned into evil. And except we're we're worse off than those people because all of them had a place to run to. That was the United States of America. Right. We don't have any place to run. Tom, these people have come up to me at the end of speeches for years. They'll come up when I'm greeting people and they'll say, I'm, you know, I'm from China. I'm from Poland. I'm from Venezuela. I'm from Cuba. And, and this is exactly what happened in my country. What's happening now? This is exactly what they did in my country. They went after the churches. And they went after parents. They went after normalcy. They they got the government got more and more powerful. Mr. Bauer, what are we going to do? Don't you don't people understand what's happening? And it's always almost always Tom, The ones that feel most emotional about it are the ones that thought they had saved their lives and the lives of their children by coming here. And now what they had to escape from was on their doorstep again. Absolutely. And unfortunately, what we have to escape from is the clock. <laughs> Clocks are <laughs> massively overrated. <laughs> overrated or underrated, depending on which side of the uh, which side of the table you're at. Anyway, this was a. Uh, as they all are. I mean, I think our podcasts are great, and I'm not biased at all. No, this was um, this was a great show, but unfortunately, we're out of time. I know, it's, and uh, it's probably good because I'm beginning to lose my voice, I think. I've been doing a lot of talking lately. Cheryl's <laughs> probably happy. Yeah. I was going to say, as opposed to other times. Yes. Which would yes. be what, exactly? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. You all have a great weekend, folks, and be sure to be back with us next week.